Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 2, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from recipe ideas to interviews with chefs, producers, purveyors, farmers, and people who just love culinary adventures like myself. So join us here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some yummy food, some laughs, and I welcome you here at my table always. And if you're ready, let's go on a food adventure together starting right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is season two, episode 31, I believe. Is it 31? I think it's 31. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. If you've been here a while, thanks for listening. I love you. And what do I got to say? Don't take notes. I've taken all your notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. And while you're there stop take in that amazing food photography that's what i do for a living i'm a professional food photographer so if you need photos hit me up if you've got questions for the podcast if you want to be on the podcast if you need culinary sleuthing of any kind send me an email let's go on a food adventure gmail.com and of course tag me in all of your food adventures on instagram at let's go on a food adventure all right you guys let's do it Go on a food adventure. Well, gobble, gobble to you all out there in podcast land. I can't believe next week is Thanksgiving. Like, where did the time go? So I don't know where you're, where you are listening to this, but we've had like the, and you know, I love to start talking about the weather. I mean, who doesn't? But like because our fall has been so up and down with temperatures, like for example, last weekend, it we had a day it was almost 80. And then the low on Monday, 20 fucking 7. So it doesn't feel like Thanksgiving. Now we're in this cold stretch where it, it does feel more seasonal and like it even snowed uh for a minute this this week. It's just When I looked at the calendar and, you know, everyone's talking about Thanksgiving, 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 this much time to Christmas. And I'm like, no way. That can't be right. And then you look at the calendar, you're like, holy shit. Holy shit. It's time. Slow down for a second. So anyway, I don't know about you, but I'm planning on Thanksgiving-y things. And so I thought, and you've been asking a handful of Thanksgiving-y questions, so I thought, Let's do a Thanksgiving 911 episode where I talk to you and answer your Thanksgiving questions. You've sent in a handful and the ones that don't make it to air, I have already emailed you. So um, check your inboxes. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that I got you the answers you needed before the big gobble gobble day. This is, you know, you talk to people about Thanksgiving. Um and it it's a lot a lot of people enjoy the holiday because it is a day that is just about eating there's nothing else to it um i mean there there's some very problematic stories about thanksgiving um that 
if you haven't really read what happened and in especially you know here in New England it wasn't you know pilgrims and Native Americans sitting down and having a feast together like that's a bunch of bullshit so uh taking that putting like just putting that aside and focusing on the cooking aspect of the holiday and you know here in America we love uh gluttony (laughs) we love uh over commercializing anything and so here we are with this holiday it is a nice time to get together with the people that you love and it's really you know one of the ways I show love is through cooking for others so for me it's a great way to be thoughtful and mindful and show love to the people that I love deeply and that are family and friends around me and when I was not living here in New England I would have friends giving and invite everyone and anyone that could come. And we used to have so much fun. Some of those Thanksgivings are some of my favorite I have ever had and I will always cherish. So if you're listening and you've been a part of one of my Friendsgivings on the West Coast, we used to call it Stranded on the West Coast. uh, It was, thank you for being there because it was so magical and they're memories that I hold very near and dear in my heart. And uh, you made my 20s that much more special. So So that being said, we got to dive into some Thanksgiving 911 questions that you guys sent in. And again, thank you so much for sending in your questions. I love reading them and answering them. And if you have any more questions or any more culinary sleuthing that you need, drop me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure and you can just send me a dm and i got gotcha. you so thanksgiving 911 all righty and away we go um eric from instagram writes mashed potatoes are by far and away one of my favorite things on the table do you have any tips in making mashed potatoes more air quotes restaurant quality Yup, I live with a mashed potato aficionado, Eric. Todd, my husband Todd, loves mashed potatoes. Loves. And when I saw this question come through, I was like, I don't even need to ask him. I know the answer to this. No problem. Because sometimes I do ask him. I'll be like, oh, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? Or how would you do da, 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 da versus Googling? Because a lot of this you can Google, but then a lot of the, honestly, some recipes and some tips, unless they're really tested and it's coming from a reputable source, a lot of times I've cooked a lot of recipes that didn't make sense and that things were missing and they were poorly written. And I've also cooked a lot of great recipes. So sometimes it's great just asking someone who knows a lot about food and works in it and, you know, lives in it. So that's why sometimes I ask Todd these questions that you ask me. First and foremost, you need to use, well, Todd really loves using russet potatoes. Peel them, boil them with salted water, This is one of your chances, as Samin Nosarat has also said, to add flavor to the potato as it's cooking. So you want to add enough salt to the water and taste the water to make sure you can really taste the salt in the water because that's then going to penetrate into the potato and make it that much more flavorful in the end. 
So once you get the potatoes all cut up, peeled, plopped in the water with the salt, then you're going to cook them as they're cooking and they're about to be done. On the stove, you want to get in a saucepan the cream you're going to use, the butter you're going to use, any aromatics like sage, thyme, rosemary, garlic, whatever you're going to infuse into the flavors of this cream and butter mixture, pop it in the saucepan, warm it all up. You want that to be nice and hot when you put it into the hot potato. So get that nice and warm and then just leave it on your stovetop. Don't let it boil over. Keep it, keep it on a low, once you get it warmed up, just keep it on a low, careful temp. Keep an eye on it. Potatoes are done. Drain them. Get the, this is when you're going to use your potato ricer. If you don't already have a potato ricer, I mean, you don't have to have one. It just makes them so fluffy and so much more creamy and delicious. And if you're really going for a restaurant quality potato, I think a potato ricer is a very uh, good investment. And I mean, like it's a food mill, so you might use it for other things, but most likely, most likely you're going to use it for potatoes. So you're going to rice your potatoes, uh, just pop them in the ricer, mixy, mixy, mixy. They come out the other end. They're like nice and finely riced. That's why they call it a rice thing. They look like little grains of rice when they're done. Um, and then once your potatoes are all riced, you're going to slowly add in the liquid, uh, and stir, don't over stir, just slowly stir until the potatoes have absorbed as much as they can absorb of the liquid. Salt, pepper, taste, and then hang for a second. And if you want to try to add a touch more of the liquid, go for it. Um, I usually always have a little leftover just because I'd rather be safe than sorry than not have enough so they're not dry. Um, but you want to use cream and you want to use butter <clears throat> because they're just that much better. Can you use whole milk? Absolutely. Would I use non-fat or low-fat or even 2% milk? Probably not. I think um, that the compromise in our household is I will say to Todd, can we use like half and half from a local dairy? Can we use, which is like super creamy and amazing anyway, like, would that be okay with you? Because <laughs> I am still, like, dropping, trying to drop weight. So, like, uh, I mean, if he really wants to use cream, then we'll use cream. But it does make a huge difference. So those are my tips. But just make sure, if you don't have a potato racer, not a problem. Just make sure whatever is in your saucepan, that you're, the liquids that you're putting into your potatoes um, is, like, really warm as you're putting it in. I think that's probably one of the most helpful things that I know I've taken away from watching him make mashed potatoes over the years so many times. So I hope that helps. Okie dokie. Jenny from California writes, I'm hosting Thanksgiving this year and even though I'm a decent cook, I'm still stressed. What would you do to help ease any cooking stress when making Thanksgiving for a group of people? Okie dokie, Jenny. I got some ideas. All right, first and foremost, it's just dinner. Like when it comes down to it, this is just a meal. It's just a gathering of friends and family. They're not going to secretly judge you for your food. 
They shouldn't be. They're really there for conversation and to see one another. So don't stress about this. Easier said than done. That being said, I'm going to say that for some reason, not for some reason, but a lot of times at Thanksgiving, Christmas, these like large family gatherings where there's so much going on, people feel like they have to do everything from scratch. Like they have to make fresh bread. They have to do, you know, bake their own pies and they have to do all these things. I'm going to tell you, give yourself permission to not do everything. If you want to task it out to other people to bring dessert or to bring an appetizer or to bring whatever it is, go that route. If that's something that you're like, no, I'm hosting, like I I don't want anyone to bring anything except for like wine or something, I'm really going to do this, then I, this year, uh, no, no, no shade, no judgment, um, decided to lean on and support a local farm that I absolutely love. Shout out to Tangerini's. Linda was on here for an episode last season. Um, They do such amazing home-cooked food. And this year for Thanksgiving, they're doing a lot of to-go stuff. And so I said to Todd, I would love to support them and let's get a pie from them. Let's get stuffing from them. Let's get gravy from them because we're not doing a whole turkey this year. We're having a little more of an intimate gathering. Um, We're doing a couple of Thanksgivings over the weekend. And so, and they're all going to be kind of on the intimate side. And so rather than doing like a whole turkey, we're doing like a turkey breast one day. One day we're doing something else. So it's like we weren't going to have a ton of like drippings from for gravy. So I was like, let's get their gravy. It's delicious. Um, and then we picked up a couple of other things from them just to support them too. So if there's a local spot, whether it be a bakery you love or a farm that's doing something similar or even a restaurant, there was a really great restaurant in Worcester that we love a lot too that was doing like ready to go Thanksgiving dinners that you pre-order and, uh, you know, it was for four people. This is exactly what's going to be served and instructions on how to heat it up. I mean, there is nothing wrong with doing that. Like people put so much pressure on themselves during these huge holidays to be perfect. You don't have to be. It's okay. And it's okay to get extra help and buy store-bought things or lean on a, you know, a bakery love or a restaurant you love and support them. I mean, think of the support you're giving them in the long run too. So those are my suggestions. I mean, I could tell you to make things ahead of time. I could tell you to pre-measure out all your ingredients for pies and uh, in different bowls and cards and do those ahead of time. It's still cooking. It's still exhausting. And then you're still cleaning up multiple times in your kitchen on top of having to clean the house and the bathroom. And like, you know, it can go on and on. Just buy it. Just it's okay. It's okay to buy these things. And then if you want to make something, make a couple of things like, you know, like I'm going to make really my I love making cranberry sauce from scratch. It's super duper easy. So like I'm going to make that. We're going to make mashed potatoes because Todd loves to make his mashed potatoes. You know, I'll make a nice big green vegetable and something else. But I'm not going to spend my whole three days leading up to Thanksgiving cooking and stressing and cleaning and figuring out where to store all the food, how to keep it warm, how to keep it cold, how to, 
you know, it's just, it's not, I've done it so many times. I've cooked Thanksgiving so many times over the years. And the older I get, the more I'm so okay with taking shortcuts with certain things, because why the hell not? Who cares? Who cares? It's so much more about the friends and family and time spent together than it is about whether you made homemade rolls or not. So give yourself permission. All right. I hope that helps. If you need anything else, let me know. But I would throw some money at that girl. Do it. Do it. Okie dokie. Oscar from Instagram writes, I'm so bored with traditional Thanksgiving foods. Have you found any new recipes worth trying? I have. (laughs) Don't doubt. I looked as well. Oscar, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Thanksgiving is actually some of the most boring food that I eat throughout the entire year. It's all one note. There's no acid. There's no heat. There's no crunch. It's all kind of the same mushy uh, texture. And there's really, besides fat and salt, there's not a ton of flavor going on. Like you have some aromatics and herbs and stuff, but like not enough to wake my palate up and be like, ooh, let's keep going. Like it's a really food boring kind of holiday in the grand scheme of things. That being said, I have been Googling and I have seen some eye-catching, beautiful recipes that I think are worth mentioning. A lot of these definitely are still Thanksgiving-y flavors. So if you really want to step out of the box and like do a totally like Thai-style Thanksgiving, this is not that. But here's a couple of ideas that I've recently seen that I think would be like kind of showstoppers or some of them are and definitely like taste they seem tasty there's this I don't know if you've seen it or subscribe or follow the New York Times food but they recently published a handful of recipes and for I think they did it an article on like a vegetarian Thanksgiving kind of thing and the showstopper was the ombre gratin oh my god this thing is so effing beautiful Definitely is a labor of love. <laughs> I think it clocks in at like three hours to like be like start to finish. I know there's a long cooking time with it. Um, so if you have some time and you're willing to do it, it looks so beautiful. It has like beets and sweet potatoes and butternut squash and regular potatoes and this like incredible looking cream sauce and then phyllo pastry on top. Oh, it looks so good. Um, another one that it's like a fun dessert. So from Cooks Illustrated, they this recipe, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but and I believe my friend Lon wrote it. So shout out to Lon. I love you. Love her. She's amazing. It's a cranberry custard tart with an almond crust. I have to make sure it was lawn. If it's not lawn, I bet it was Andrea. But I'm, I really do think it was a lawn recipe. Um, and it has these beautiful meringue kisses. Oh, it is. It looks so damn tasty. And it is so beautiful to look at. Like, beautiful. So that's what I would make. Um, recently, I made the ha- from the Half-Baked Harvest cookbook. She has this shredded Brussels sprout salad and it's really good. And it has uh, tangy blue cheese. It has sliced apple, pomegranate seeds. I put in some dried cranberries. 
Um, the dressing is kind of like this honey dijon sort of dressing. And then you take a ton of brown butter and <laughs> walnuts and thyme. And you kind of cook the walnuts with the butter once it's been browned and the fresh thyme leaves. And then you add all of that on top of the salad. So in addition to the dressing, there's also this like beautiful brown buttery walnut-y, toasted walnut-y vibe too to it. Um, it was so hearty and so delicious. And that's something that if you just wanted to step away from like roasted Brussels sprouts would be utterly delicious to eat even if you decided you didn't want like a huge thanksgiving like the salad alone with a protein or something would be amazing um what else oh my god did you, speaking again of the times i don't know if anyone saw the pie spread they did this year holy shit was it beautiful um it was genevieve co she, oh, she can do no wrong those pies were so effing incredible. I would make any of them. That pecan sandy one. I mean, you name it, I would make it. They look, they look beautiful. They're stunning, stunning. And the whole entire like big spread of the the way the photo layout was and the art direction on it, it was absolutely beautiful. So hats off to those those folks. And then Ina Garden has a, and I've made it before, and I think it's um mushroom and leek bread pudding so I mean bread pudding's basically stuffing it's just a nicer way to put stuff or dressing like it's a nicer way to to say it in a way in a way it has a few more um bells and whistles than like a traditional stuffing would have but it's good it's really good and last but not least I believe it was the last year Samin Nosarat wrote a huge article for the times um about like how to zhuzh up your Thanksgiving meal with certain things like this beautiful shallot um, crunchy topping that you can just have in a bowl and like sprinkle on things. Um, she had, I'd have to go back and look at it all. I think it was like an agrodolce kind of, oh, what was that? It was so good. Anyway, I'll link that article if I can find it too, because there was a ton of great recipes that like even with zhuzh up, you can put on top of the food to make it like a little more interesting. So I hope this helps. All righty. Ashton from Chicago writes, to stuff or not to stuff a turkey. What's your take? Oh, I love a Shakespeare moment. So this is a controversial question, Ashton. No, I'm kidding. I A lot of people are going to, you grew up one way of eating it and you may or may not be still making it that way for nostalgic reasons or that's just the way it's always been done or whatever. Uh, Personally, I would absolutely not stuff a turkey. <laughs> and I grew up with my parents stuffing it. Um, and the reason why is because, one, everything has to get to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Everything. And that leaves a pretty big margin for the turkey itself drying out. Yes, the stuffing does have more flavor and, you know, juices and fats from the turkey cooking it inside the turkey. Sure, sure. But the turkey can dry out a little bit more because it might have to be in the oven longer because the stuffing's in it. Also, I don't know. I just, I mean, that's really the main reason why I wouldn't do it. 
beyond because it's just there's just such a yeah no no I wouldn't do it I just wouldn't do it um if you're hell bent on doing it then the only advice that I have is that so when you make stuffing usually you have to let it sit overnight in your fridge in order for the the bread to rehydrate and then you're going to bake it in your oven or you're going to put it in your turkey um, a lot of people make the stuffing and then they might even stuff it inside the bird the night before and then pull it all out and then put it in the oven. Don't do that. Don't do that. My advice then, if you are hell-bent on stuffing this bird, is to make the stuffing ahead of time. Put like Meaning like dress it with everything, the stock, the melted butter, whatever else you're putting in it. Put it in your fridge separately from the turkey. When you're pulling your turkey out, Pull the stuffing out. You want that stuffing to get to almost room temperature. Then right before you put the bird in the oven, put the stuffing in the turkey. That way, hopefully, we'll have a chance to kind of cook a little more evenly together. And then, fingers crossed, your shit doesn't get dried out. Because really, there is no way to save a dried out turkey. The only way you can save a dried out turkey, and this was not your question, but well, here we are with the answer in my opinion, is to cut thicker slices of turkey. Um, don't cut it thin. Cut it much thicker and just pray that you have enough gravy to fucking slather on everything. So uh, don't stuff your turkey. <laughs> That's my take on it. Speaking of stuffing, this was a great segue. Coco from Instagram. I fucking love your name, Coco. Coco from Instagram writes, I'm not a huge fan of bread stuffings because they are so carby and heavy. Do you have any non-bread stuffing ideas? So, I first want to applaud you for trying to make Thanksgiving not as heavy as a traditional Thanksgiving can be. I am the person who brings a salad to Thanksgiving and I don't care. I don't care what you all think about my salad. I like <laughs> some healthier option. Um, I understand this is a meal that's like primarily so gluttonous. I just don't think it has to be. Certain things, sure, dive into. Other things don't need to be super duper heavy. So um, I like this. I like this question a lot and I have some ideas. Recently, I just shot a uh, campaign for <clears throat> Josie's Organics for some holiday ideas and I made a cauliflower riced stuffing. So I took all of the flavors that would be in a traditional stuffing, rosemary, thyme, um, sage, some caramelized onion, um, chestnuts. I'm trying to think what else I put in there. Celery. I believe I even put some carrot in. And then I took their riced cauliflower after everything was all like sauteed together. Oh, and mushrooms. And so I took their riced cauliflower. I cooked everything down really nicely and layered all those flavors up. Added their riced cauliflower in. Cooked it until it was done, which took like next to no time. And then boom cauliflower stuffing it was delicious then if you wanted to take it like one step further you could even add in a little bit of um cooked couscous that would be delicious and that would make it like a tiny bit carby but not like super carby the other thing I've seen and done in the past is like a wild rice kind of stuffing um 
the Food Network actually has a good recipe and it's like butternut squash and wild rice and it's really good. Another one that I found, this wouldn't be for me, but it looks really good. And I'm sure if you're a fan of quinoa, now that I'm not a fan of quinoa, it's just not my go-to grain. I know, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put it out there. I do eat it. I have no problem with it. It's just not my go-to grain. Um, I feel like everybody has a grain. This one's just on my go-to. Anyway, Gimme Some Oven has a, it's a quinoa stuffing with cranberries and pistachios. That looks very tasty. So I hope these are some good ideas for you. Um, I'll link them in the show notes. And cheers to you for not having a super carby meal. All right. I'm laughing because this is like literally the sixth time I've tried to record this question. I don't know why it's just tongue twister for me. Last question of the day comes from Brooklyn from Instagram. I can't get the perfect flaky pie crust and I hate to buy the ones that are already pre-made because they have a ton of chemicals in them. Do you have any foolproof pie crust recipes? Oh God, seven times a charm on that question. Hold on. All right, Brooklyn. I do. I do. Um, struggle no more. So the New York Times, Melissa Clark is the author. She has a great pie crust recipe. I've made so many different pie crusts and like different pie crusts also for savory versus sweet. Like some of them, some of the sweet dishes, like if you're making a sweet pie, you would probably want to add like a little confectioner sugar to the pie crust dough or like whatever. So this is just like a straight up basic pie crust recipe. The one thing she has you do, which I thought was a really interesting technique, is that after you put in the flour, the salt, and then you cube up your really, really, really cold butter into teeny tiny little pieces, and then, you know, you use your fingers and slowly break it down into the flour to become like kind of like wet sand sort of is the vibe you're going for. A lot of times after that, you'll take ice water and you'll incorporate some of it in until it forms, it comes together to form a a dough ball. Don't touch it. Don't overwork it. It's a very delicate (laughs) balance between getting it together and uh, it becoming too overworked, which then is not, that's what happens when, um, you don't get like that really nice flakiness in the pie crust. It's because the dough's overworked and it, it happens pretty quickly. So the one thing she has you do in her recipe, which I, again, I think is really interesting is as you're adding the ice cold water in, she has you fluff the, the flour butter mixture in the air in the bowl and until it just gets worked in enough together. So you're not physically like smushing it together right away. It's like this fluffy motion and lightly fluffing it. And uh, I'll link the recipe in the show notes. It It's a great recipe. Um, and if you don't subscribe to New York Times food, I highly recommend it. it. It's very, very cheap for, I don't know if it's like for the year or for the month. I, it's really inexpensive, like a dollar or $5 or something like that. So um, I highly recommend it. Really good recipes, really good tips. Same thing with like Cooks Illustrated, um, America's Test Kitchen. Their their cost, I think, is pretty low for subscription. And um, Bon Appetit, now you have to subscribe to look at those recipes. And it's uh, not too expensive either. So 
Anyway, that is my tip for a foolproof pie dough recipe. I'll also link Erin McDowell has a beautiful pie crust recipe. She's got a ton. She's like the queen of pies. She's got a couple of great books too. So um, I can link them in the show notes. All right, my friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in all of your questions. Um, I really appreciate it and keep them coming. Go to my website for all the show notes and everything, all the information, elizabethrfuller.com. Again, send me all of your questions, Elizabeth. Uh, nope, that is, not the, <laughs> that is not the email address. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. You think I've done this once or twice. And tag me in your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. I hope you have a wonderful, safe, and happy holiday. Uh, make some yummy, yummy food together. Lead with kindness. And I'll be back, not next Friday, but the Friday after. All right, talk to you guys soon. Bye.